Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Before we start, I would like to draw your attention to what I can offer you as a master coach. I can help you to focus on your why with clarity, uniting your passion with your purpose with a plan to create the life you truly desire. Book a free 20 minute coaching call right now via calendly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson forward slash call and we can take it from there. Hello and welcome to the 49th Reflections with Actions episode of Focus on Why. These solo episodes are where I reflect on the past five guest interviews and pull on some of the unexplored threads from topics mentioned, but not fully explored. Of course, I would love to have talked more with each of my wonderful purpose-driven guests. However, there just isn't time to do so without going all in Joe Rogan style and recording four or five hour long episodes, but that's just not how I roll. So let's dive straight in and get on with it. First up is 305 Focus on Introversion with John Baker. Living in a society which is often more tailored to the extrovert, as a proud introvert, John Baker is on a mission to expose the talent of quieter business people and activate introverts. John believes that balanced teams allow introverts and extroverts to flourish individually and as a team, improving productivity, creativity and diversity of thought. This is why John has a determined focus on introversion. John's business growth and networking knowledge combined with leadership experience allows him to show leaders how to change their habits and get more from their introverts. He said introverts will typically think to talk, whereas an extrovert will typically talk to think. Now that's not right or wrong, good or bad, but just very different ways of doing things. Hearing John speak about talk to think or think to talk immediately reminded me of the book Time to Think by Nancy Klein. Regardless of the talking bit, first comes the listening, as Klein says that the quality of your attention determines the quality of other people's thinking. She goes on to say listening to each other, if you want to think for yourselves, requires discipline and the most profound attention for each other. To help people think for themselves, first listen and listen, then listen. And just when they say they can't think of anything else, you can ask them the question, what else do you think about this? What else comes to mind that you want to say? As a life purpose coach, I spend most of my time listening, not talking. It's the same in my podcast interviews, which is why my guests have the opportunity to share more than they usually do on other podcast interviews that they've done. It's why we are able to explore their purpose in depth because they feel listened to. Are you an introvert? Do you talk to think or think to talk? According to the many Myers-Briggs based personality profile tests I take, I lean slightly more towards extroversion than introversion. However, my lifestyle, work and interests allow me to indulge in both. The latest one I took back in 2020 on a site called 16personalities.com gave me a result of ENFJ. It labelled me a protagonist, a natural-born leader full of passion and charisma, forming just 2% of the population. These protagonists are often the politicians, coaches and teachers of the world, reaching out and inspiring others to achieve and do good. 
I do tend to take personality profiling tests with a pinch of salt. Personality isn't permanent, just as Benjamin Hardy said in his brilliant book of the same name, where a personality profiling test almost cost him his own marriage. You have to read the book to hear why. However, in reflecting on whether I was an introvert or an extrovert, it also reminded me of the interview I did a while ago with George Anderson back in episode 191, A Bit of a Boost, where George mentioned another personality test called the Enneagram. Curious, I recently took an Enneagram test online via the Personality Lab and was intrigued by the results. It said I was a type 5, the investigator, of which only 3% of the population represent this type. Whilst I didn't agree with everything it said, as I wouldn't describe myself as eccentric, for example, there were some strangely accurate descriptions, such as saying I was curious and drawn to the inexplicable forever after the accumulation of knowledge and insight of unexplored concepts and ideas. 100% I agree with that. Apparently, I seek to innovate and venture into uncharted territory and armed with knowledge to dissipate the fears I want to find out why things are the way they are. Yes, I do. Seeking to pursue truths about the universe that may not have use in our day-to-day life. Apparently, I am a mystic philosopher who apparently picks one area of interest and chooses to dive into that, making it a life pursuit of attaining wisdom in this area. This is all very strangely accurate. There are a lot of areas that I can identify with. However, also some did not resonate with me at all. We cannot simply be boxed into one type. We have so many different facets to us. It reminds me of a recent team exercise I did with nine other women on a year-long leadership course that I'm on with Dr. Joanna Martin, more of Joe later, called Lead the Change. Ten strong leaders around a table, all collaborating to complete a time-pressure task based on survival in an unknown territory. More specifically, it was a NASA moon crash landing exercise, and it was brilliant. Totally embodying John's message about the difference between our extroverted and introverted leaders, we were each aware of our individual strengths, yet the power of us collaborating was far more effective and critical for our survival as a team. We ensured that each voice was heard despite the time pressure, and it served us well to do so and to recognise that the more extroverted voices were not always the ones to follow. I find it fascinating how in reflection of several of the exercises that I did on that leadership weekend, that how you do one thing is how you do everything. Even small habits have huge ripple effects. Admiral William McRaven, in his University of Texas at Austin 2014 commencement speech, said if you want to change the world, start by making your bed. How is this the case, you may query? Well, McRaven went on to explain that if you make your bed every morning, you will have accomplished the first task of the day. It will give you a small sense of pride and it will encourage you to do another task and another and another. He also went on to say, if you want to change the world, find someone to help you paddle. And then he says, if you want to change the world, measure a person by the size of their heart. It's so true. Your daily habits tell others who you are. The little things you do each day matter. They matter because over time they compound. So I don't know about you, but I've just popped upstairs to make my bed. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, it makes no difference. Just make your bed and you will change the world. Next up is episode 306, Random Conversations with Sarah Dennis, which wasn't a random conversation at all. In fact, it was an incredibly purposeful one and it was instigated by my husband who introduced me to Sarah. 
one of the very few other bankers that he knows who, like him, left the city to pursue a more entrepreneurial and less money-oriented lifestyle. Can you cast your mind back to school? Was your career's advice useful? Did it tap straight into your passions and purpose or did you get channeled straight into the rat race? Sarah was channeled straight into the rat race with limited careers advice saying given the subjects she'd done, she should go into finance, accounting or teaching. With hindsight and further knowledge, Sarah had way more opportunities that she could have pursued that would have piqued her interest, tapped into her passions and been much more aligned with her values. For example, she could have been an animator on Shrek. I know which one I would have chosen. Anyway, let's not dwell on the futile power of hindsight of the if only dot dot dot. After the realisation that a job transfer to New York found Sarah sitting unfulfilled in the same job, but just within a different set of four walls, she took a sabbatical for three months. It was after a further re-evaluation whilst travelling in the world for a year and after losing her father to pancreatic cancer that Sarah felt ready to take a massive leap from her career in the world of corporate banking to become an entrepreneur as a bookshop owner. Using the process of elimination and her own funneling technique, Sarah took a calculated risk to scratch the itch that would lead to her own personal fulfilment. She found a way to add value to society in a way that worked for her. A customer-facing role where she could have daily connections to people doing what she valued more. Books are very much Sarah's happy place and her purpose-driven community-focused businesses all started from a couple of random conversations from across opposing sides of the world. One happened in South America with a complete stranger from Scotland. One with a grieving man speaking about loss and bereavement in a bookshop and the other was with her sister in the UK. It was their inspiration and encouragement that spurred Sarah on to pursue something that was far more meaningful to her than the work she was doing in the city. Were those conversations random? Probably not. I believe that the universe works in mysterious ways and that the answers are there if only we take a moment to pause and look for them. I know that you don't know what you don't know. However, when you stop to learn more about yourself, then you start to understand more of what you don't know about yourself. Your self-knowledge expands, as does your knowledge of the world, and so do your opportunities. What calculated risks are you willing to take to design a life of purpose where you feel you're contributing something of value that is aligned with your values? When I explain it in these terms, does it even sound like a calculated risk? It sounds more like a calculated plan to me. What price can you place on fulfilment, though? It's immeasurable, priceless, yet it can be so costly if fulfilment is not pursued. Doing something that matters, doing something that makes a difference, doing something that gives you a quality of life. I don't know if there's anything more important than finding fulfilment in life. Having a random conversation today with someone you know or don't know could be the catalyst you need to initiate a new journey, which will in turn create ripple effects that spread across the world. As you approach the end of 2022, take a step back and take the opportunity to evaluate your year, to reset everything and focus on what you want to create in 2023 and beyond. As Sarah explained, she managed to escape the institution, the rat race, when she believed in making her own dreams a reality. Are you motivated to do the same? I believe that random conversations are in fact not random at all. Have you ever been on a holiday that changes the way going forward you think, work and live forever? It happened for Sarah Dennis and it also happened for, for my next guest, Simon Haig, in episode 307.
Following a recent back-to-nature canoe trip and reflecting on the mirror-like qualities of the crystal-clear waters in the Algonquin Provincial Park, Simon Haig has rekindled his interest in the environment and sustainability and is linking this into how he does business. Growth, curiosity, betterness, enablement, evolution and progression all feature highly in Simon's agenda. However, as an eclectic thinker, he also enjoys exploring the chaos that is today's world. Simon said that experience in Algonquin National Park where I was immersed in that beauty where I was immersed in that clear water with nature that's something we need to protect and therefore the way that I do my business needs to alter to reflect some of that and I need to be sharing some of those thoughts and those ideas. The mirror-like qualities of the lake reflected more than just the environment around it. Simon's life was reflected in his glass Simon's purpose was reflected in its glass. He came away with so much more than just those 1,200 photos that he took. It's funny that Simon described it as a back-to-nature experience because, as Rosie Tompkins said in her book Instinctive, we are not in nature, we are nature. Is that the forgotten element that many people have in their life? That knowledge that we are not separate from an environment? We are part of it. Humans are the only species who pay to live on this planet. Seems crazy when you put it like that, but it's true. Simon said that none of the photos did the lake justice, that none of them allowed him to look at the planet in the right way, that the beauty was not captured in the same way that he experienced it physically because all the other senses were involved. With the photo, only the visual sense is actually captured and represented. That's what Simon meant by being back in nature. He was connected with his senses directly, kinesthetically, auditorily, olfactorily and visually. Again, the focus on this episode was also to take a moment to pause. In today's busy world, it is easy to be swept along in the waves of busyness, to forget about nature. So pause, appreciate and be grateful for what nature provides us with that perhaps has been taken for granted. It's not a luxury, it's an essential way of life. It's about balance and understanding what it is you even want to balance. You may be balancing elements that you're not even interested in or serve you. I mentioned it in the episode, however, I wanted to share this beautiful sentiment from Eddie Cantor again here. Slow down and enjoy life. It's not only the scenery you miss by going too fast, you also miss a sense of where you're going and why. For me, it comes back to the focus on fulfilment. If you knew when you were going to die, would you be doing what you're doing in this very moment? It's a serious question and it may sound a little morbid. However, the truth is that you never really know when your time is up. My father-in-law passed away in October and a very close friend has just been diagnosed with stage four brain cancer. Both stark reminders for me of our impermanence. So knowing that you maybe have 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, even 60 years left to live, what will you do with your time? Given that I am in my late 40s, if I am lucky, I expect to have at least another 30 years left to live. That's only 10,950 days. And my focus is not to live those days in the pursuit of happiness. It is with a focus on fulfillment that I will be spending these remaining days. I'm not knocking happiness. Happiness is fabulous. It's just that happiness is temporary. It comes and goes, and it's not a sustainable emotion. Many people spend their entire lives in the pursuit of happiness and infallibly fall short. Ironically, if the shift of focus moves to the pursuit of fulfillment, where activities are filled with meaning and are purpose-driven, happiness will naturally be experienced too. 
Fulfillment is different to happiness. It runs much deeper. It is a state of being, not a feeling. It brings significance and provides deep joy and a sense of purpose. Happiness is what you do. Fulfillment is why you do what you do. The fulfillment piece is often the missing jigsaw to many people's life puzzle. They may even spend their lifetime looking for it, only to realise it was with them all the time. It is through your contribution to the world, aligned with your values, passions and talents, that fulfillment will be found within. You flourish when you're connected to your inner self and are of service to others. Fulfillment is found within your life's work. So what's important to you? Where can you make an impact? What are your core values? And are they being prioritised and aligned with your life's work? Challenge whether your beliefs are actually yours and serving you or whether they are societal expectations. What cause do you champion? How could you collectively join forces to correct a crisis in the world? When you channel your contribution and commit to doing something meaningful every day to affect change on a local, national or even global scale, you achieve fulfilment. When you live with intention and purpose, fulfilment is a constant and happiness will flow in waves. Enjoy your life's work. Live a life of your choosing with compassion. Be committed to solving a problem. Have the courage to seek the solution. Be curious and you will continue to grow and learn. Focus on fulfilment. Simon has a focus on fulfillment. He pursues this through his focus on growth and curiosity, a desire to be better, his enablement of others through reflection, grounding evolution and progression. All fabulous values to embody and qualities to champion, all of which enable him to enable people to do great things. And circling back to Admiral McRaven's point, when we work together, we achieve greater things than when we do them alone. Simon spoke of wicked problems in the world. This reminds me of the work of Claire Richmond from her episode 138, Hidden Potential. I recently attended Claire's launch of her book, The Scavenger Mindset, where she spoke of wicked problems, critical problems, blended problems, and reminded us to be curious and challenge the assumptions that you make about yourself, to be compassionate to yourself, to be intellectual and engaged in the world, to be courageous, to know that mistakes happen and we won't always get it right. Claire said to ask yourself two questions. What matters most and where do I have influence on this? So my take on both Claire and Simon's reflections is that through collaboration with others, combined with curiosity, courage and chaos, you will create the change in the world that you desire. Why did you choose to be here? For what purpose? What is it that your soul wants to experience in the world, express in the world and perhaps even change in the world? What's your light that you're here to shine? These are the key questions the architect and accelerator of change, Dr. Joanna Martin, first asked herself, and now she encourages other women leaders globally to answer. She shared how her business, one of many, was born with this mission to support those grassroots women leaders handling the juggle so that they can step up into that calling that they feel that they can make no matter how big or small their impact feels. Joe is passionate about the potential of a new kind of leadership grounded in compassion, connection, courage, clarity and creativity, inspiring, challenging and supporting women leaders and entrepreneurs to pursue their purpose driven calling to make a difference in their corners of the world. Joe believes that these women are the key to unlocking the UN Sustainable Development Goals in what she describes as mission critical. I've spoken a lot about the UN Sustainable Development Goals in my Reflections episodes. And coincidentally, today is the final day of the UN Climate Change Conference, COP27. 
COP27 presents an opportunity for all stakeholders to come together to find concrete solutions to the global climate emergency. But will they actually find solutions to the wicked problems of the world? Jo spoke of how she heard the Dalai Lama famously say at the Vancouver Peace Summit in 2010 that the world will be saved by the Western woman. Jo's interpretation of the Western woman is woman of resource. Now, I went in search to understand more about the intention behind this statement that the Dalai Lama had made. I found that Dalai Lama was in the company of many incredible women that day. Three Nobel Peace laureates, Mairead Maguire, Jodie Williams and Betty Williams, human rights activist Mary Robinson and humanitarian Susan Davis, all of whom have worked tirelessly across the world to effect change, turning countries around and helping those most in need. Being surrounded with these incredible women is likely what prompted the comment that the world will be saved by the Western woman. And I also found an excerpt from an interview with the Dalai Lama from the book Imagine All the People, a conversation with the Dalai Lama on money, politics and life, as it could be, published by Wisdom Publications, Boston. In response to the question, do you think that one individual can change the world? The Dalai Lama's response was simple. Yes, he said. He then continued by sharing that, first, it is important to realise that we are part of nature. Ultimately, nature will always be more powerful than human beings, even with all their nuclear weapons, scientific equipment and knowledge. If the sun disappears or the Earth's temperature changes by a few degrees, then we are really in trouble. At a deeper level, we should recognise that although we are part of nature, we can control and change things to some extent due to our intelligence. Among the thousands of species of animals on Earth, we humans have the greatest capacity to alter nature. As such, we have a twofold responsibility. Morally, as beings of higher intelligence, we must care for this world. The other inhabitants of this planet, insects and so on, do not have the means to save or protect this world. Our other responsibility is to undo the serious environmental degradation that is the result of incorrect human behaviour. We have recklessly polluted the world with chemicals and nuclear waste, selfishly consuming many of its resources. Humanity must take the initiative to repair and protect the world. Of course, when we say humanity or society, it's obvious the initiative must come from individuals. Back to Joe's interpretation of the Western woman, this is where Joe steps in by saying she believes that the Dalai Lama was talking about her. He was, and he was also talking about me, and he was also talking about you. He was, in fact, speaking to all of mankind, particularly women, though. In the excerpt I just shared, he was also speaking to any individual who cares about making an impact in their corner of the world. As I said earlier, it all starts small, but it compounds. Making your bed is just a start. Saving the planet comes next. Joe's role is to support all the women changemakers in the world and prevent them from burning out while spinning the plates and juggling the different roles they need to play each day. Marching to the beat of an unconscious drum, she felt. I felt the pull of her calling and I have joined Joe's one of many community and I'm now on her the Lead the Change programme that I spoke about earlier. I've accepted the responsibility of making the change in my corner of the world and here I am sharing this message to a global audience across 121 countries. Joe believes that she chose to be on this planet at this time for a reason, that it is not a coincidence that she is right here now with all the other people here also. She questioned herself, why choose to be here? For what purpose? What's your light that you're here to shine? She is here to host and create connections for wholeness in the world, describing the need for unconditional love and kindness, and that is her life's work to do so. 
For Joe, building on what Brenny Brown shared about a generation of children raised with unconditional love and focusing on achieving the UN Sustainability Development Goals, that is what is important to her. The planet we live on and the well-being of the people who live on it, ensuring those elements for Joe is mission critical. And my final reflection today is episode 309, Healing from the Heart with Dana Grindle. I said it earlier and Dana also said it in her episode, you don't know what you don't know. So if you don't know what you don't know, how do you know if you need healing? Licensed biblical prayer minister, teacher, mentor and a non-profit ministry founder, Dana Grindel didn't know that life could be better. She didn't know that she could be more fulfilled, more peaceful, a better mum, a better volunteer and a better wife. She had found herself really good at doing, but not so good at being. It took a neck injury to stop her in her tracks. After trying many different ways of healing, there was only one way which worked for Dana, and that was healing from the heart. I've just been listening to Dr. Joe Dispenza's book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Although I'm only halfway through it, I already know that I will be reading this book several times to take on board the many valuable lessons and insights that he shares. However, there is something that stood out for me in relation to what Dana said about healing. Dispenza said that when we combine an elevated emotion with an open heart and a conscious intention with clear thought, we signal the field to respond in amazing ways. The quantum field responds not to what we want, it responds to who we are being. Dana said exactly this, that she had been so good at doing but not so good at being. This is a key shift needed for healing. Dispenza goes on to say that the coherent brain sets the stage for healing. It must work in harmony to heal moving from dis-ease to ease, shifting awareness from narrow-minded, over-focused, obsessive, compartmentalized survival thinking to being open, relaxed, holistic, present, orderly, creative, and simple. It requires an orderly, new, synchronized signal to the body from the brain, which organizes all of the diverse systems into homeostasis, including the cardiovascular system, digestive system, the immune system, and many more. Dana said that healing from the heart is the only way. However, it does require the brain to be on board. First, you have to be aware of what the body is telling you and understand why. As Ruth Fogg said in episode 180, Eliminating Stress, what our mind suppresses, the body expresses. We need to prioritize our health over everything else because as Dana reminded you, if we don't make time for health today, we make time for illness tomorrow. I often consciously scare my life purpose clients by asking them, where will they live if they don't take care of their body? It's true, though. You only get one body as we have yet to invent a way of moving our being into another being. Dana's injury and healing process set her on a purpose-driven mission to help other people to heal. She had time to catch up with her life and her thoughts. She was able to have a full body and mindset reset. It is easy to forget to live your own life and become a slave to everyone else's desires, especially if you're a woman or a mother. Dana has now established boundaries and chooses to be a voice for inner healing. She requests that you make time and space for your healing. Healing which you may not even know needs to be healed. Self-care is key here and fulfillment is a goal that you'll find once you focus on that. In my work as a life purpose coach, I spend a lot of time asking many thought-provoking open questions that lead to great insights, conversations and further discussions with my clients. In today's busy world, overwhelm, guilt and the need to belong often lead you to saying yes to requests when in fact you should really have said no. The fear of rejection, your need to please others and your charitable disposition lead you to answering differently to how you really feel. 
Essentially, your boundaries are not set. Saying no should not necessarily be perceived negatively by others or by you. Knowing what is important to you, what is a priority or what is a non-negotiable enables you to focus on time well spent, time that you won't ever be able to get back. I've certainly learned this lesson the hard way. Over the years, I've said yes to way more things than I should have done. However, now it's not the case. I now know when to say no to requests that come my way. Of course, I still have that desire to please others and to belong, but by saying yes to all requests, I recognise that I am at risk of exhausting myself and experiencing overwhelm should I undertake too many commitments. You may have heard the expression that no is a complete sentence. Well, it is. No is also a complete answer to a question. If someone asks you to do something and you don't want to, you can simply answer no. You're not required to give any justification as to why not. People respect you for it. Earlier last year, my mentor sat me down and went through a brilliant exercise with me where I had to answer no to every question that she asked me, regardless of the question. I was a little confused as to its purpose until I found myself wanting to answer yes to almost all of her questions. The penny finally dropped. Saying no is a skill that you need to practice to get better at saying it. Being able to say no confidently is a sign that you are in control of your own life and destiny. And when you do, you set a precedent for your future, marking clear boundaries for others to recognize and to respect. By answering with a no, the focus is on your self-care and your mental health. I now say no to anything that is not relevant to the strategic direction of my business focus or if it will have a detrimental impact on my life outside of work. Before I answer a question and commit to an answer, I use this filter. By taking a certain action, will it make me achieve my goals in life? It's enough time for me to consider the consequences of my answer. A yes or no is then very clear to me. Which areas of your life do you need to be more clear with your answers that you give people? Who and what will be impacted by these answers? Clarity of your focus on why will guide you instinctively to know the answers to these questions. Practice saying no without feeling regret, guilt or the need for a lengthy explanation. Despite working in different ways, Dana and I share a mission. We both want to help people be who they are designed to be, to recognize their gifts and their value in life. Remember, you know in your heart who you are and what you want. Are you using your gifts and recognizing your value and aligning those values with your work? How has this conversation had an impact on you? What value have you received from tuning in? What are your reflections with actions? Please take a moment to leave me an Apple podcast or Spotify review sharing how Focus on Why has made a difference to you today. Remember, the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going, simply connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook or Twitter or join the Focus on Why Facebook group. All the links are in the show notes. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.